0: Wapak Naz is Love People, Loving People to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message.
1: Um, it's always a privilege for me to come before you and to, to bring the message Um I count it as such. I I don't take this for granted. In fact, uh, earlier this week, on Wednesday, I had a wisdom tooth extraction. Um, So if I sound a little dumber, it's because I'm 25% less wise today than I was last week. So don't blame me. Blame the oral surgeon, okay? Um, So I I do count it a privilege um, to be here, to be able to uh, uh, pour my my efforts into the Scriptures and uh, and speak to you all. Uh, One of the cool things... Um, About this series that we've been going through is is we called it core Um, Because the core really gets at two kind of things, right? One is what makes us what are the building blocks? That support and create a Christian. What is it that that's the foundation? What is it that makes us who we are? and then the thing about Christianity as we just prayed about is that it not only makes us who we are but then it becomes something that happens as a result of our lives Right? Everything we do is impacted by what we are. Right? You can't separate those. Who you are at your very core, at your very innermost being cannot be distinguished and separated from what you do. They're connected together. So putting good stuff in brings good stuff out, right? Putting bad stuff in puts bad stuff out, right? This is just kind of general general conversation here. But when we talk about our lives as a Christian— The core of what makes us who we are is what allows us to make a difference in the lives of other people. The foundations, the building blocks that make us who we are change and impact other people. So this morning, I invite you to turn, uh, if you would, to the book of Revelation. Right? Revelation. All right. All the way at the back of the Bible. You can use one of those pew Bibles there. Uh, There's these paperback ones. There's the hardcover ones. Hey, if you don't have a Bible... Um, These paperback ones are yours to take. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible, um, take one of these paperback ones. It's yours. No cost. It's totally free for you. We want you to have a Bible. The print's kind of small, but if you can read it, it's yours. Um, Have at it. It doesn't do you any good if you can't read it. So, um, Revelation 21. Uh, That's where we're going to be going here in a minute. And um, it's not often that preachers preach out of the book of Revelation. um, Because there's a lot of stuff in Revelation going on that you're like, what just happened? Right, uh, I don't understand anything that just happened in Revelation. It's all weird. It's all these weird stories and images, and it just seems very chaotic. Um, but there's a reason we're going there. But before we go there this morning, I'm a kid of the '90s. Right, I grew up in the nin- the '90s, and so for me, there was a very pinnacle person or or character that shaped that decade for me, especially the earlier half of the decade. Now, for for those '80 kids and the Xers. Um, a lot of you, it was Super Mario. Like, Mario was, was a pretty big, important character for you um, because that revolutionized video games and at-home video games, right? I mean, Super Mario Brothers was it. And I love Super Mario, right? Don't get me wrong. Uh, but as a 90s kid, for me, it all came down to Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog was it, man. So he was way cooler than Mario. First of all, Mario did not have the coolest job. Let's just to be honest for a second, all right? No offense to any plumbers in here. It's a great profession. We need you. All that kind of stuff. But on a scale of coolness, a blue hedgehog that runs really, really fast is a little bit cooler than an Italian plumber jumping on toads. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, So Sonic the Hedgehog, right? If you're not familiar with Sonic, I don't know how you're not familiar with Sonic, but if you're not familiar with Sonic, the, the first three games had a similar setup, essentially. So they're called like a scrolling platform game. So as you played... You ran across the, the screen and the screen moved in the background and you just, you progressed through the level until you got all the way to the end of the scroll. Um, and Sonic, uh, a couple things happened. You had to go through the level to get to the end, but along the way you'd find these these robot animals. Um, piranhas or, or scorpions or snakes or whatever. And if you jump on those robots, you'd free the animal that was captive inside of that robot, right? So that was part of your goal and you'd, you'd rack up scores and points as you went along. Um, but you'd also collect golden rings along the way, right? And these golden rings would allow you to, if you got hit by that robot, you wouldn't die, right? Those rings would be kind of your, your life force, and if, if you got hit, you'd lose all your rings, but you'd have to try to collect them up, back up real quick, uh, so that you don't get killed the next time you encounter one of these robots. But you also had, even if you did die, you had three lives, right? So for me, being one of three boys, we would play Sonic together, And how we decided whose turn it was, was we would play through a round. You got three lives. Once you've lost all of your Sonic lives, then it's the next guy's turn, right? Don't try to interrupt me after one life, because I've still got two more lives before you take this controller out of my hands, right? I'm not done yet. I've got a second chance, okay? Uh. And along the way, you would just play this way, right? And so Sonic was cool. Sonic was awesome. And one of the things I learned playing Sonic the Hedgehog is that uh, You can also, if you get enough rings, if you get 100 of them, you get an extra life, right? So you could kind of keep this game, game rolling a little bit longer if you're good enough at it so that you never run out of lives, right? It just keeps extending, extending, extending. But eventually, eventually, you could lose all of Sonic's lives, right? And then when he died, you didn't start back at the same level you were on before. You went all the way back to the beginning of the game again, Right? you got to start all over, go through all the same levels, beat all the same bosses, do it all over again. But for me, that shaped a lot of how I understood life even, right? I knew I didn't have three lives. But I knew there was more than one opportunity. I had more than one shot at this, right? Uh, I came up to the big boss that I hadn't seen before in this level, and I knew I had more than one opportunity to beat him. And so in life... Outside of the video game. Reflected something different at times. It was very jarring and confusing. Why did I only get one chance? Why should I only get one chance? Why can't I have another chance? What do I need to do to earn another chance? Collect some gold rings? Earn an extra life? Some of you aren't video game people. So let me use a sports analogy for you. Around the same time. My younger brother was learning to play wiffle ball Play wiffle ball in here, you know what I'm talking about little plastic ball with the the, the slits on the top of it So that it, when you hit it, kind of makes a whizzing sound Wiffle ball And so we would play, me and the cousins we would get together And we'd all, we'd separate into teams We had a bunch of cousins, so we'd separate into teams And my uncle would be always pitcher, right? So that he could kind of control how the pitching happened for the ages So we had teenagers all the way down to like five six years old and so he'd throw some legitimate fastballs at the teenagers and then as as it got to the younger end he'd start kind of doing a little bit softer lobs right and so my younger brother was learning how to play and so for all the rest of us cousins we'd come up to bat we'd get in our stance we'd get ready and he'd throw one whizzing by us or we'd swing at it we'd miss strike one right all right I got another chance don't worry about it ready to go strike two I missed again Oh man, I've only got one more chance, right? So I come up again. This time I'm going to get it. Swing, I miss again. Strike three. You're out, right? So I got to move back to the dugout. I'm out. I've got to wait till the cycle goes all the way through again. But m- then my younger brother come up. One, two, three. All right, he's out. Cool. My turn next. Four, five. Wait, what's going on? Six, seven. Eight, he hit it finally, but hold on. He got eight chances. Why did I only get three chances? Why did he get more than I got? That didn't seem fair to me. My uncle understood something that I didn't understand as a young adolescent, and he was teaching something that maybe he didn't even realize he was teaching that grace isn't always measurable. That second chances doesn't always mean only two times. Second chances of grace aren't limited to two attempts, right? I get it. Grammatically, language arts here, second means two, right? I get it. I understand. But when we talk about the second chances of grace, what God offers us, God isn't limited To one uh, one attempt, two attempts, and then that's it. He doesn't cut you off there. And my uncle understood that and maybe didn't realize he was modeling that for us or showing us that. But he was. Second chances of grace aren't limited to two attempts. Saying we believe in second chances because of grace, the grace of God, Doesn't mean that we get to put a limit on God's grace. It isn't us that the grace is coming from. So we don't get to control it. Saying we believe in grace doesn't mean we get to own how that grace is extended or how often that grace is extended. The grace flows through us, it's not my grace. I'm not good enough to be somebody who deserves to give grace to somebody else. It's God's grace. I'm just the conduit that that grace can be manifested here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm just the vessel that that grace flows through. So I don't get to control it. God is the one who sets the parameters. Revelation 21. We're going to start in verse 1. We're just going to read a few verses here. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride, adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and He will live with them. They will be His peoples, and God Himself will be with them. And will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right because because these words are faithful and true. you get all that revelation 21 promises for us for god's people first two verses there says he saw a new heaven and a new earth a new heaven and a new earth for the first ones had gone away right a second chance this first one isn't it this isn't the end of the game there's a new one coming For the first had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Then he says, I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem. Right? For his mostly Jewish audience. Here again, this is just another way to say, there's a new one coming. I get it. The old one isn't what we wished it was. It's not how we wish things were. But there's something new coming. God is bringing it. God is creating it. God is cultivating it. God is allowing for a new chance, a second chance. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, beautifully dressed like a bride for her husband. There's a promise in here. That says the way you see the world today might be very accurate, right? You might see the world as a messed up, broken, horrible, awful, terrible place. And there's a pretty accurate way to see the world around us today. But that this isn't the end. There's another chance coming. And because it's a new chance that God is creating, and because he has created us in his image, that new creation that is coming is something that we get to live into today. We have the opportunity and the responsibility To help cultivate and create that world today. We're not just waiting for the second one to come around. We're participating in it coming. We're active in it coming. We don't just wait to see what happens. John's definitely talking about a a kind of second chance here. A second chance for redemption and renewal for things to be how they were supposed to be before they got screwed up. Remember my story about my younger brother playing wiffle ball, right? And how he got five, six, seven, eight chances until he hit the ball. So there's something else I, I, I thought and I, I reconciled about baseball is that the three-strike rule is really important to keep that game moving, right? Right? If, if, if everybody had an opportunity to hit to hit, swing until they hit the ball baseball games would last forever right so it's a way that the game keeps moving forward it keeps it interesting but it keeps it interesting for those who understand the rules who understand that when they're coming up to bat they've got three chances and if they don't make it then they got to wait till their next turn at bat But for my brother, he didn't understand this three-strike rule. We could have held the rule and held the line and said, no, Mr. Five-Year-Old, you're out. Get out of here. Go back to the dugout and wait your next turn. And he could have gone all confused. But what it would have done eventually is it would have just created this idea, well, I don't really want to play this game. I don't understand what's going on. This doesn't seem like a lot of fun. I'm very confused by the rules. Have you ever done something that made you really confused? And you didn't want to do it anymore Because you were so confused by it And it would have just destroyed any interest In playing the game The point Isn't to destroy interest The point is to create uh, Interest To create opportunity To create Mm -hmm. value It's the same in our life It's the same in the way we interact with people have you ever talked to somebody, had a conversation with somebody who said, Man, I'm great that that whole Jesus thing works for you. I tried that out. It wasn't really for me. Didn't really work. Wasn't my thing. Uh, I'm glad it works for some people. I don't judge whatever. What works for you is great, but, but I'm good over here. And I think if we, if we were able to take a truly honest poll, truly honest, right? Without any kind of influence one way or another. That the majority of people who feel that way Probably at some point had a negative experience with the church Or with a Christian A negative experience at which they felt judged Or shamed Or guilted And they didn't quite understand why They didn't understand why they were supposed to feel bad for that But everybody in the church kept saying No you're supposed to feel bad That's a bad thing And now they've left this this opportunity at the church and they've said, I don't really understand what's going on. This doesn't seem like a lot of fun. I think I'm just going to go do something else. Grace is not intended to be something we use to limit people's participation. People's involvement with God. Grace is supposed to be the thing that opens the door, that allows for opportunity, that allows for connection, that, that creates an opportunity for somebody to say, I don't really get this. I don't really understand what I'm doing. I don't know the rules. But can I be a part? Can, can I play still? And we have the opportunity to give that second chance to people, to allow them that space new life doesn't happen overnight very rarely every once in a while you might meet somebody who says they had an encounter with god they gave their life to jesus next day life was totally different right day before jesus they were addicted to all kinds of drugs they had all these problems yada 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 a track record a mile long next day done free not a problem anymore it's happened doesn't happen most of the time. For most of us, the majority of us, what often happens is, I seek to become new, and now I must do the work to become new. It takes time, and it takes effort, hard work, determination. For a lot of us, we can look to somebody that maybe we respect for their Christian life, and we say, man, if I could only be like them. But the truth of the matter is, they weren't them 10 years ago either. They didn't become them until they are where they are now. Does that make sense? It takes growth. It takes opportunity. It takes investment. And it takes a willingness to give and to receive second chances. To acknowledge the fact that I don't have it all figured out. That I might have said something or done something that probably was a little foolish or maybe was flat out wrong. But that there's grace that can be extended to help us grow there. To get to new life, there will be difficulty. I invite you to turn, uh, go back a little bit to the book of Romans, also in the New Testament. Several books back, before Paul's letters. Romans chapter 6. Because new life and this opportunity for grace to come to us begs another question. So if God is just going to give me grace whenever I ask for it, does that mean that I can just keep doing the things I want to do and not have to worry about it? Well, the Bible addresses that in Romans chapter 6. and addresses it pretty clearly. Romans 6 verse 1 says, What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. The grace of second chances doesn't mean an unrestrained grace. The grace of second chances doesn't mean you get to manipulate and abuse that grace. That grace is there if you're putting in a true effort. Going back to our baseball analogy, it doesn't mean my brother just gets to stand there with a bat and keep hanging out there all day long. Not interested in swinging at the ball Not trying to make it a hit. He doesn't just get to stand there so that nobody else gets to participate. But if he's making the effort, grace means let's give him a shot. Let's allow him that effort. Let's allow him that opportunity to see how this plays out. To see what it feels like when that, that bat and that ball connect. To feel it come through the bat and run through your fingertips let's allow him that opportunity same thing with grace grace means we grow in it because (laughs) my niece's name is grace grace means we get the opportunity to extend opportunity we get the opportunity to extend opportunity As, uh, as the author here in Romans says what shall we say shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means we are those who have died to sin how can we live in it any longer see the thought was if i keep on sinning then i'm going to get more grace right and i want to be somebody who's filled with god's grace so i'm going to keep on doing bad things so that god gives me that attention that i want to give me that grace that i want but what the author is saying here is that's not really how grace works You're not really getting any more grace when you keep sinning the same way you were sinning before and then asking for forgiveness. You're just getting the same grace recycled over and over and over again. If you want to grow in grace, you need to go into new places, go into new things. If you continue in the same patterns, in the same places, over and over and over again, you're not actually getting anything new. You're not actually understanding God any better. You're not actually growing in your relationship at all. You've just become stagnant. So if we want to grow, we've got to be willing to move beyond. Not allow the sins of yesterday to be the sins of today. The bad habits of yesterday to be the bad habits of today. The patterns of yesterday to be the patterns of today. No, we need to challenge those. And say, God... I need your grace. I need your strength. I need a second chance here to do this right so that I can stop doing things the wrong way and that I can grow in new opportunities. And somewhere along the way, when I'm doing this new life and I'm doing things right, I'm going to mess up again. Right? That's just what happens. I'm going to mess up again and I'm going to say, God, I need your grace so I can do this thing right. That's growing in grace. That's living in a second chance kind of lifestyle. And because this is who we are, because we're made this way, and you've experienced this if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you recognize it or not, you've experienced this. The call on our lives is then to live our lives the same way. And if we're honest, this is way harder to live our lives with an uh, opportunity of grace and second chances than it is to live our lives receiving Second chances in grace It's way More difficult to extend that to other People especially When those other people continue To stay in the same bad Habits bad bad habits bleh, Bad habits and bad routines Over and over again But when they're growing and they're making Effort and they're trying To be better and they're trying to improve And they're trying to make things right We say yeah There's grace. There's a second chance. There's a new opportunity. Because this new opportunity is all tied to that revelation passage. Because God is creating a new heaven and a new earth. The opportunities are limitless. All the limitations that this world places on us, all the parameters... For what is good, what is right, what my relationships can look like What kind of damage has been done already And what kind of grace I can extend All those limitations come off the table When you're talking about a new creation Because the opportunity is new And the transformation happening in you Won't just happen to you, it'll happen to them also and we'll be transformed together. But we live into that. Grace of second chances doesn't mean an unrestrained grace. We don't control it. We just extend it. We offer it. We give it. We share it. We show it. We live it. And like my little seven-year-old self playing wiffle ball in the backyard of my grandparents' house underneath the big old birch tree trying to hit home runs into the pool, we learn it by watching others do it. We learn it by watching others do it. So parents, if you want your kids... To learn about grace Starts with us Modeling it for them Showing it to them Embodying it for them For them personally For the other relationships in our lives To yourself Sometimes it's hard to give yourself a second chance We model it for them Grandparents, same goes for you If you have any connection with kids at all, it goes for you. A few weeks ago, what was it, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, we had our teenagers that serve upstairs in our kids' ministry. We gathered them together for about 30 minutes, and we just said, hey, thank you for investing in our kids, for pouring into them, for being role models for them. And we kind of left with that idea that very simply, and very importantly, told them, everything you do, they are watching you. Yeah. Everything you do, they are watching you, right? You know that old song, Be Careful Little Eyes, What You See? And the truth of the matter is, in our culture, we've created this idea that once you become an adult, you're good to go. You've learned the lessons you need to learn in life and you're ready to, to be functioning and great at all the things in life but the truth of the matter is, is the same goes for adults as it does for kids, That us adults learn by watching others too, when we see it modeled and that makes all the difference I open up this message and we're, we're getting to closing here, but I open up this message talking about how humbled and touched I've been this last week about all of the ways that you all have cared for one another and not only has that touched my heart and kind of made me a little bit emotional which it has, I mean I've eyes have welled up with tears I think three or four times this week just from a text message I received um, it's done that to me, but what it's also done is it's challenged me and I've had to say to myself, am I doing enough To impact the lives of other people. Am I pushing myself. The way I ought to be pushing myself. Am I investing enough. And this isn't a woe is me. Like I feel bad about myself. But the idea is it's challenged me. It's it's called me to question. And look at my own life and say. Alright I see it happening. Am I doing that too. And if I can't say I'm doing that. Then I need to reevaluate The way I'm living my life If I can't say I'm investing in people that way It doesn't have to be that same physical way But, but in that manner Then I can't say that I'm living my life The way I ought to be living my life When the senior pastor goes away if They turn into a bunch of werewolves over there I don't know uh, Wow! And for those of you listening online, you didn't hear it But there was howling coming from the kids ministry So uh, they're having a great time Um, Grace God's grace Extended to us Living in us, filling us up Pouring out from us To transform the lives of other people So that We're not just sitting around waiting For the new heaven and new earth But we help create it today We help create it now, here, in Wapakoneta, in your home, in your community, in your workplace. Will you stand? Heavenly Father, come before you today. First of all, just saying thanks for pouring your Spirit upon us. For being a God who lives a gracious life. There is no grace that exists apart from the grace that you have created and extended to us So god, thank you For the grace afforded us through the death and resurrection of jesus christ Thank you for the opportunity that we each have to be transformed and renewed to look like you to be like you to think like you to act like you And God, this week, we don't come just to hear a message to make us feel good about ourselves, but we we come to be challenged and pushed forward. And so this week, God, I ask that you challenge us to be a people who not only receive and accept that second chance of grace in our own lives, but we extend it into the lives of others. That we live with such compassion and intentionality That those who encounter us say, man, if that's what Jesus is all about, I'm on board. If that's what happens when you give your life to Christ, sign me up. Because that's different. That's transformation. That's a new life that I want to be a part of. Heavenly Father, may you guide us as we go from this place may you keep us may you hold us may you challenge us may you move us and may you allow us to be your instruments of the new creation that is coming that you are bringing so that we we might rejoice and sing your praises together for it's in jesus holy name we pray amen amen may you love the lord your god with all your heart soul, mind, and your strength, and may you please go love your neighbor as yourself as you extend second chances of grace. Go in his peace today. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community, and to love people to Jesus.